this episode, we visit the United United States of America in the deep south state of Georgia. Georgia is one of 50 states of the United States of America. Um, it's home to Martin Luther King, the African-American leader, and its capital city is Alabama. What do you think about that? I've had that when I was in the United States. They're like, why don't you speak English? Like, you're from Georgia. And I'm like, not that Georgia. Okay. Um, Hello, my name is Ia. I come from a teeny tiny country called Georgia, which is right in the middle of Asia and Europe. My name, Ia, is um, is a Georgian word for violet, the flower. And this is the first word every every child learns at school. That's the first, very first word that they learn at school. So I, Ia, that means this is this is a violet. So that's what they learn. There's two letters that are vowels. Yeah, that's what they learn. Um, the capital of Georgia is Tbilisi. It comes from the word Tbilisi, the word Tbilisi, because um, um, they found like a spring, warm, like a warm spring when it was when one of the king was kind of like hunting, and he um, he was hunting for birds, and one of the birds fell, falcon fell into the into this warm water. So they decided to do, you know, like a, now we have bath. So you can, people and tourists can go and enjoy in the same place, kind of like the same place. They can go and have baths. Uh, and there is a natural warm water that it comes out of the ground. So that's why it's called Tbilisi. It comes from the word that is warm. And I live in a, I live in a small town called Telavi, which um, you can see beautiful mountain range. That's Caucasus mountain range from our window. A very beautiful place and this is what I call my home when I'm away or like if if I if I were to think about my home um I grew up in a small apartment in Tel Aviv but like this is my grandma's house this is where all we come together like my aunts and my sister with our babies and everything so we always come here um we have uh, white like a grapes harvest coming up and then for that everybody comes here we harvest the grapes and then then we turn into you know we make the wine we turn into juice and then my mom saves a little bit of juice to make into different things so this is home kamar joba kamar joba kamar joba is a word that comes from word kamar joba which is um victory 
like because Georgia's been into war so many times, like over against uh, you know Scotland. No, <laughs> but mostly <laughs> different countries around us. There, there were a lot of Muslim countries around us, and because we were Christian country, we used to always have a war against them and uh, uh, Byzantine Empire or Iran or just, you know, all this different um, ethnic groups. And yeah, that's why Gamar Joba comes from the word that is victory. So Gagi just like um, when we have a toast, when we have a toast, you know, we say in English, you say cheers, we say Aguimarjos, which means uh, to, you know, victory to all of us, like to victory. Ah, I thought it meant um, thank you. No, it's Madloba. Thank you is Madloba. <laughs> Rogor Khar. Rogor Khar. How are you? Rogor Khar. <laughs> <laughs> I did my homework. We have the, yeah, you did, you did. We have thirty-three letters, and some of them are very deep, like us, you know, in a throat. You need to say in a diff, like a like those word, like those sounds are a little bit hard for the, um, you know, for other people. And um, if someone was to come to Georgia, what would be mm -hmm. the 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 first word or sentence that you'd like to teach them? Um, I would say. Kamarjoba and Madloba, like hello and thank you. Georgians are very hospitable people. They like to have guests, and especially in um, you know uh, rural areas, um, they don't really get too many people. Um, as a you know, as a I mean, tourists. So when they see one, they are very excited to talk to them and learn about them. I remember we had Scottish guy in Tel Aviv walking in kilt, and everybody was looking at him i remember that my when my grandma talked about it did you know did you see and yeah it was a long time ago but after that we had lots of tourists from scotland but um that was only one time that he he was wearing killed someone so it's very interesting people are very nice and warm yeah just just be careful to um not look underneath a scottish man's coat <laughs> and um how is my Georgian? It's nice. You have very, because, you know, Scotland has this kind of uh, specific uh, accent. You're doing well. It's very nice. Mad loba. <laughs> share a little bit about the Georgian language. Okay, so Georgian language is one of the, you know, one of the unique languages in the world. We have unique, you know, writing and um, uh, speaking. Uh, it's, um, well, for my husband, it's quite hard to talk about, to speak. And I know a lot of people have struggles uh, to learn. It's, um, and when you come to Georgia through the accent, you can actually pretty much tell which part of the region this person is from. And also in Georgia, we have the last names that and different um, letters that you can tell which part of Georgia this person is. Um, language is very, you know, uh, for me, it's of course easy and unique and beautiful, especially the, you know, the songs and 
poems and everything, but for some it can be challenging to learn. The Georgian language was named the seventh most beautiful language or alphabet in the world in 2017. Alphabet is very beautiful. Um, it's like very kind of like circles, you know, like it's very round. And I, I don't know if, how true is this, but I've heard that um, long time ago, they, you know, we used to worship sun. So because of that, but the language, um, I'm sorry, the writing has changed several times. You have three writings, like old, old writing, and then it was modern. And now that what we have is like a third one. It has a different, like a little bit of influence from different, um, I think, neighboring countries. And also, if you look at it, a little bit of something, you know, very similar to Hebrew as well, Hebrew alphabet as well. Like some of the letters are, uh, you can, you know, you can see. It's a beautiful, uh, and any, it, it, you know, we, when we study at school, uh, we study old and new handwriting as well. It's right. cool. Yeah, yeah. So in old handwritings, like um, the Bibles and the Old Testament, you know, those, those things, old documents. So you, in, you know, the gravestones and everything, they are written in old handwriting. So old Georgian. So you, so you would be able to read them when you when you look at them if you go to the church some of the you know oldest church churches you can so you're able to read it that's why we study them talking about the georgian language reminds me of the literature and the movies that come out of georgia um there was a mm -hmm. book that we that we read that you recommended mm -hmm. to me um what was his name um, it was uh, in Georgian, it was um, which was the trip to Karabakh. That was the um, a book based on the modern history, like what happened in 1990s in Georgia after, you know, um, Soviet Union collapsed. And um, we had our independence. Uh, Georgia was going through very hard times back then. You know, there was um, no electricity or running water or, um, you know, gas or anything at home. So we had to, we had like um, uh, wood burning, you know, stoves and we had um, candles and lamp, you know, lamps of oil lamps that we, it was just really difficult times. And there were conflicts around Georgia, you know, we had, um, you know, war in Abkhazia, we had, there was a conflict between Azerbaijan and uh, Armenia, which are our neighboring countries. And this, this book and this, the movies that are based on those books are, you know, take, take us to back those times, how the struggles they went through and still, you know, they, they managed to somehow get out of it. That generation is kind of lost because most of them either left Georgia or they, there were a lot of, you know, uh, people that lost lives during those conflicts and also a lot of, you know, poverty and drugs and everything. Those days were very, very challenging. And I'm glad we are kind of, you know, it's behind us. But again, again, those um, books are very interesting. In, in school, in school, we, we learn um you know, we had to learn, uh, we learned about Georgian, you know, writers and poets and um, 
it's extraordinary how you know they describe beauty of Georgia and the lives that they lived. Um, we go all the way back, you know, the centuries. We actually study those books back in the, you know, from those centuries, like 12 and, uh, I don't know, six, whatever. And we study the way they are in, in the way they used to talk, you know, and we actually, they, they used to, uh, they used to tell us to memorize some of those parts that I still know up to these days, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, because you, you had to learn them and then they were, they are still in the national exam. So that's very good that, um, our students, yeah, yeah, yeah they are, and they have to learn those, um, and they are very interesting. You know, they, they, they teach you basic things about life and how to make choices and everything. And that's very interesting about friendship and mother family and everything, you know, respect of the family and uh, respect to your, you know, friends and how to help them during their hard times. And also um, uh, those, the values, you know, the like uh, the values that you, you learn from this book. a little bit about where you're from the history and the landscape yeah so i live uh, i come from eastern part of georgia which is called you know kajeti kajeti is the place when when somebody talks about kajeti that means you know we we have you know lots of fruits and vegetables and uh wine and um so you know crops as well so i uh the kind of like the center of this is tel avi and that's where i live i grew up here tel avi is on the mountains and there are several kind of like small um, um small hills that like nine hills that is situated and it's a very beautiful place it's all hills so I used to go to the school that is now 265 years old that was established one of our kings and my school was inside the uh, palace so like in a yard of the palace so it was divided the one part was where the castle is and the other part where I I used to go to school and I didn't really thought much of it until I grew up you know and then have appreciation of it because you know I literally went to the castle and I studied there um it's a number one school and one of the oldest schools um Tel Aviv is a you know it's a beautiful beautiful uh town very quiet um everybody most of the people are making wine here so <laughs> um <They're all> drunk. <laughs> Yeah, in winter, in winter, there's not much to do. And um, yeah, in winter, everybody's like, you know, uh, yeah, I'll come to my house because I have better wine than your dad and your dad's wine. That, you know, like that kind of my uncle does that. So yeah, um, most of the people here make, yeah, make wine or they make cha-cha, which is made out of, which is, you know, 
uh, vodka made out of the uh, whatever's left out of the grapes. You know, they they wow. they brew it and they make yeah yeah, and that's one of the very very. When my dad makes it, the way he tests it, he lights the you know matches, and if he burns that, he said, "Okay, this is a good chacha." Now, like, it's, it's alcohol. Um, it's alcohol. <laughs> That's what I said. He said, "This is good. This is good." And then he, my dad, never adds. You know, in when you make wine, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can add water. You can add sugar. Whatever. He doesn't do that. He it's like a pure liquid, like pure good. And people come and you know, they offer money and everything, and he doesn't really sell. He only sells chacha because it's too hard to drink. Uh, when I took when I took it to America, my my uh, host father was like, "How how do you drink?" Oh, that's actually um, very interesting. My 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 mom had to send it to me because um, as I'm under, I was underage when I went to the United States. You're not allowed to bring alcohol, so he she had to send it in through my relatives. And my host father was like, "I I don't even know. I don't even you know. It's for me hard to even drink one sip. How people drink this? Um, yeah. So, what was it like growing up in Tel Aviv? Um, well, growing up in those days, as I mentioned to you, because we had we were going to this challenging times, it wasn't. It was very, I don't know. I had very good childhood as in terms of like having good friends and family, and you know, um, for me that you know I didn't know any better, so it was very good. But um, you know, when I look back, and you know, there there was no water, so I had to carry water every day to home. Uh, from one place, we used to collect water, and then I used to carry it home. Um, and you know, there was no electricity until I was in late in high school. I would say in two thousand three, I was finishing high school when electricity started to be. We only used to have electricity during like New Year and Christmas, and uh, maybe Easter. And other than that, we didn't really. So it was difficult times, very, very, very challenging. But um, we worked hard. Everybody worked very hard back then. And um, what I don't know what else to say. I mean, the, because of that, I guess we didn't have too many tourists, and the country was literally in blackout. So uh, the nature was absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. So. Um, we used to play outside with my friends and uh, I had very good childhood, I would say, because it was all about, you know, friends and um, connections. And it's not like that anymore, you know, uh, electricity, sorry, um, technology took over. And even though now my nephew still go outside to play ball or um you know, when I was in London, it's not like I don't, I, I really didn't see kids playing outside without parents. Nope. And uh, in America, I don't think that, you know, most of the parts as well, not anymore. And it's still here. It's still, you know, you can still see kids playing outside without their parents. And it's safe and, um, you know, good when you see them playing outside. Take us around Tel Aviv. Where should we visit? Mm -hmm. What should we see? Okay. 
Okay, first thing you need to do, and of course, see, you go to the king's palace that was Heracles II. Um, back then, you know, um, we were under the influence of, uh, you know, uh, Muslim country. So, so he was raised in, um, he was raised with, um, uh, with a, you know, back then, um, they used to send prince and princesses to the, you know, to the... To marry one another? No, 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 no. They used to send to abroad whoever was kind of like in charge of Georgia, let's say this way, right? Okay. So he used to, yeah. So he was sent to Nadir Shah was a, in Iran. He was a kind of like Shah. So our king was raised there till like he was 15 or whatever. And then he came back uh, to Georgia. So there is a king's palace in the center of Tel Aviv. So you can go and see how he used to, our king, Erekla II used to live there. Um, um, he was he was born in 19, sorry, 17,000, how should I say, 1720 to uh and 1798 uh, yeah like that and he he was very good uh king you know in terms of like he established a school and he was taking care of the kacheti and uh he went through a lot of wars and tried to protect georgia you know uh and he had a lot of children actually <laughs> he had like 24 kids or something that all survived but yeah, 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 he had three wives. Um, one, you know, the, the, the last one he, that he had, um, they had 19 kids together. Not all survived, obviously, but uh, yeah. So you, first thing, what do you do? You go to uh, King's Palace, which is divided in two parts. And there is a King's uh, Castle. And the other part, there is a school, the school that I used to go. Um, underneath the school, there is a spring water. So they used to, when the you know, castle was surrounded by the uh, animus. They used to have drinking water inside the school right under, um, you know, there's a pathway that goes like a secret pathway that goes down, down. And then there is a, uh, there is a spring water. So they used to have water in the castle. So the first thing you go, you see that, that uh, Tel Aviv has a lot of underground uh, tunnels that used to connect each other because of, again, the war, because uh, people were scared. They, you know, the animals would come in and they were invaded so many times. So there are a lot of uh, old pathways. The house that I used to have, the hostel, also has a pathway downstairs. Uh, we discovered it in one of our cellars. And it's governed, you know, it's protected by the government at the moment, the house and the, the, the basement as well. So um, next thing you go and see, there's a 900 old uh, tree that you will see in there. The view, obviously, from Castle and from the street is extremely beautiful. Um, in Tel Aviv, we also have um, just generally, it's, you know, the, the, you see the uh, there is an old street. Uh, let's say this way, that the houses are kept in old um, traditional ways. They have wooden wooden balconies and they're carved and very beautiful. And then you start visiting the cellars. So there are a lot of cellars around Tel Aviv, wine cellars, and you can taste and drink some wine, different types of wine um, in 
English, we say red wine and white wine. In Georgian, we say black wine and white wine. So you try that. And yeah, and, and, um, and also around Tel Aviv, nearby there are villages that have, uh, you know, uh, we used to have a lord, Alexander Jabjawad, that he used to live in Tzinandali. And there's a residence, his residence. And you can go there and uh, the garden is absolutely beautiful. He was a rich man back then and he brought all different flowers and trees from all over the world. So in this garden, you will see something from different parts of the um, world, trees especially. Um, and it's very beautiful. And it, there's a museum and you go there and right there, there's a wine cellar around it within this um, uh, residence, Javjavadze resident. They also have wine cellar there. The wine is very, very old, 200, uh, 300 years old. Wow. Back then, they, they did have the bottles, like um, they used to have the bottles of uh, glass bottles, but they didn't know how to keep them. So they used to have like uh, some kind of um, cloth that they used to dip in. I don't know how they used to do it. So the, the, they still have those wine. That's what I'm going to say. Uh -huh. And even though, and it's protected, and uh, and I, when I went there, I said, if the president was supposed to come and ask for the bottle of wine, would you give them? You know, <laughs> and they said, no. We've had a lot of presidents visit, but nobody takes this wine. But that's unquestionable. <laughs> the city, the town, I would say, was the you know resident for the king, and uh, you know you can see. Um, old, old, um, you know, cellars and the way they used to make wine and how they used to, you know, squish them. Is that yeah. how I should say? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, they used to stamp on it, stamp on it. Um, and uh, the, around Tel Aviv, there's several villages. They, they have different unique so uh, history. So let's say my mom is from the village of Alto. And in this place, we have a church and used to be gymnet, what do you call it? Like, um, um, like a school, let's say. Sure. And that was back in 12th century. And the ruins are still there, yeah. And then they used to teach uh, teach uh, gymnasium. That's what it's called, I think. They used to teach, you know, um, um, you know, geometry and reading and writing and everything. So that's something to see you know the ruins are back from 12th century it's very interesting and then you have uh, over here um you have Guareli where we have a lot of uh, we have a famous writer from there and you can go there and there's an under tunnel and then in the tunnel there are a lot of there's an old cellar that you can go and visit and in Tel Aviv around Tel Aviv there are um, lakes that you can go and you know now they are turned into the hotels and private some of our privates and some of our public but you can go and have a good um, dinner and a wine and it's very very beautiful right into the in, in the middle of the mountains there are some you know lakes and it's so gorgeous where should we visit in Georgia I heard it was the seventh safest country in the world um, yeah, it's very safe. Um, so there are many places you can visit. It depends on what you like. So we have the seaside and we have mountains and we have dangerous roads to mountains. Um, some people like that. Um, we have 
kind of like a desert areas and we have the like a city carved into the mound like in a rock which is dated to from you know all the way to the 12th century so it depends what you like to do you like seaside do you like desert areas do you like just the forest um it depends where you want to go but first you start with Tbilisi you visit old Tbilisi and you try you know uh, local cuisine and then you go to uh Kazbeki, which is right you know, very close to Tbilisi. In Ghazbegi, we have amazing mountains, mountain rain that you can climb to. Um, and there is a church on top of the mountain. I don't know how they built it all the way back in those days, because to climb up there, even for me these days, um, the, you know, the pathway is pretty much better, but still it's so hard to just get up there. But still, you know, I don't know how they did it. So you can go to Razbegi one day and then you come back and you go to Borjomi, let's say, another day trip. In Borjomi, there is a park and uh, uh, also like a forest that you can go and there's a river as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful place and very clean, you know, you know, like a clean, it's um, like a very eco-friendly, eco logically clean area so we can go there uh if you visit Gacheti, you have to stay a couple of days here because you know you will see all these surrounding villages in Tel Aviv and then you have to go to Mesti uh, sorry in uh Omalo Omalo is a uh, the road to Omalo is in the mountains and the road is very four or five kilometers but the road is very dangerous um only very people with very strong um, um, how, if they are not afraid of the, you know, the cliffs, cliffs and uh, dangerous roads, only those people can go up there. And I know the drivers that we used to have that would take the tourists to mountains, they would, uh, at some point, there's some dangerous areas, they would turn and say, okay, here have some checha, and then we'll continue because the road is so hard and difficult. Uh, people would get scared of it, you know, and there's totally different uh, like uh, weather up there. So you have to take, you know, you have to get ready for that. Um, you can go to Batumi, but Batumi is a seaside and you have mountains and the, you know, uh, you know, sea right in front of you. So you can go up in the mountains and look at this beautiful view. We have the beaches that are only stones and we have beaches that are sand, we have sands. So whichever you like, you know, we have, uh, we have the variety, or, you know, depends what you like. There's something for everyone. You had a hostel in Tel Aviv, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, this was the only hostel because uh, mostly here people are interested into, you know, hotels and like a, a guest house and uh, the hostel situation was not really into you know they, they didn't really nobody was really into it so i decided to do hostel wine in the center of the city i have this um, house that my dad gave me and me and my husband renovated and we decided to do the hostel and we got tourists from all over the world all the way from you know from uh, hong kong to uh, you know mexico and the united states and canada and we had most of the time that we had tourists who would go to the mountains, um, Omalo, and the road, if you Google it, from Tel Aviv to Omalo is very challenging. It's, um, uh, it's a dirt road, 
yeah, uh, there's no asphalt. It's not, um, you know, it's just a road. And at some point when you start after like five kilometers, it's 45 kilometers, um, there is no service. So there's no way if something happens, you would um, let us know until you get to the destination. So what people do, if let's say you're on this road and at some point you stop and you just want to take pictures, people will stop and ask you, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you want us to, you know, give message to someone? People are extremely, um, you know, very attentive when they see you on this road. Even one time me and my husband, we were not going there. We just stopped in the beginning and we were taking pictures of the river that is goes down there. And as you go up, you know, clips you know gets higher and higher so we stopped by and like maybe seven cars stopped and said are you okay do you need anything and we said no 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 and I was like let's go because you know people are worried um so most of the time we would get um hikers that would come to us some of them were on a dirt bikes or like bicycles and uh, one guy was on a scooter um he was German guy very tall and on this teeny tiny scooter he's like I said there's no way you can there's just no way but I was like why don't you just try so he starts and he comes right in the middle of the day and I said where is your partner uh, who was on a dirt you know bicycle like not by a uh, bike like a really good good bike you know and he managed to go up and there are a lot of videos that you can watch um how they come down from the mountains and they you know they film on a gopro or whatever and i i can't even watch it it's so dangerous but you know there are some people who like that sort of things and it's fun so this guy comes back on this scooter in dirt like from hat to toe and i said just take all all of your clothes off on the balcony I'll go wash it and you go take care of, you know, like I had that. And um, close to me, there's a wine cellar um, that uh, has wine baths. Like you can lay down in the wine. So I had this lady from Canada and she went there and um, she came all tipsy. And she's like, I didn't have anything and I'm drunk. I said, well, you just laid in wine bath for two hours. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. Did you say wine bath? Like, yeah, yeah, you can lay down there. It's like, um, yeah, like there's a wine and they, they have that kind of um, uh, uh, spa center in the hotel. And because the, it's a wine cellar as well, they decided to make this unique thing that it's a wine and you lay down in there and it's supposed to be good for your skin. <laughs> but <laughs> and she was quite tipsy. Um, uh yeah so that's one of those that there's too much wine here so people try to make all sorts of things uh whatever they can so um yeah and i've had tourist um uh, families uh, that come you know they came from russia on cars they they drove from all the way to you know moscow to tel aviv and they stayed um uh, in my hostel and i've had tourists from uh, Kazakhstan as well families and I those families asked me to if they could um, uh, visit us during the you know harvest uh, wine harvest and I said okay grape harvest sorry and then they came to my parents house and we took them out and they worked really hard you know it's a hard work because you know grapes get sticky and uh, it's in a, it's under the sun and you have to go all the way to this you know it, it's hard hard work um, so all the family gets together that day and we, um, you know, we 
we eat, we have, uh, we make shashlik, whatever, and then Adi, we call it Adi on, on, you know, we make shashlik on the fire. Shashlik is uh, sausages? Not sausages, like a a piece of, uh, you know, uh, meat. Yeah, yeah. so we make it into small portion and then... um, and then we put it on a fire, and then you you know make um sadi, and it's very delicious. Um, uh, and uh, we my mom makes kachapuri and all that, so all the family gets together. Some of my family is uh, in the western part of Georgia; they come visit as well. It's a big celebration. Firstly, because it's a very hard work, and there's no way we can do it ourselves. And secondly, it's something that we've had as a tradition for years and years and years. People come, and then yeah, very interesting. What is a traditional meal in Georgia? What is on the table? What is there to drink? Okay. So if you were to visit my house on this, you know, autumn and then take part take part in the, you know, our wine harvest, we would have a on our table Dwadi. 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 That's what my dad made. And uh, my husband and my nephews, you know, and it's uh, what we used to, we make it, we, you know, we first burn the, you know, the tree, leftovers trees from the wine, wine trees, you know, every year they have to trim it and they only leave certain um, uh, branches to grow out of it you don't leave all of them otherwise it will be too big and it cannot hold so whatever is left left we collect them and it burns very easily very fast and it has a special um like a taste to it so we 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 burn one kind of like a I don't know how it is in English. So we burn and then we fr- we put the mzwadi on top and then it has a this smoke and then the smell and this ashes and everything. It just has a very unique and very nice taste. And then we would have, um, uh, you know, Georgian bread, you know, cheese. Uh, we would have uh, tomatoes and cucumbers with some greens. And then we would have the hingali, which is kind of like a dumpling. So there's a meat inside and uh, you boil them. Uh, it's delicious as well. We would have some salads that my mom makes out of, you know, you know vegetables and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we would have khachapuri, uh, which is like a cheese and bread. And inside, so inside the bread, there is a cheese. And then if you fry it, right, so bake it. Um, now they bake it, but back then they used to fry it on a, a kind of like a clay, um, uh, I don't know, I don't, a clay pan kind of. I don't know what they are called now. So, ketsi, uh, they used to call it ketsi. And this hajaburi is different to every uh, region. It's very in the eastern, western part in Ajara, where the Batumis and seaside, they have uh, so cheese, right? And then in the middle, it's open and they have egg in the middle. And in, in our part, it's different. In mountains, it's different. In uh, different parts, it's different, unique to the, the, to the region. My mom makes hajaburi with them. And we, 
<laughs> my mom makes very thick khachapuri which she puts you know she's always very generous with the cheese and everything inside and i always say can't eat so much it's so thick you know it's very hard to eat so i always tell my dad to you know <laughs> finish after me because i can't eat. it's so just so thick um usually it's when you buy it's a little bit thinner and it's easier to eat so anyway that's what we would have and um when everything would be set up the guys or man would be outside and making swadi frying it and then we would everybody waits for them swadi when them swadi comes that's when the table is kind of like everybody sits down and starts eating so wow. it's kind of like they you know when they say swadi's on you know frying everybody gets ready goes washes their hands whatever and we get ready to have as for the drinks we usually have lemonade because my grandma used to love lemonade and we always have lemonade at home lemonade for jomi like a georgian uh spring water yeah uh, fuzzy like yeah and we would have my dad's wine if my uncle is here he would bring something his own and he would say oh your wine's not good let's drink my wine <laughs> and if my aunt is over my aunt has a black wine like red wine so she always brings that if it's over so um yeah we always drink my dad's uh, my dad's homemade wine and uh, it it's quite strong not everybody can drink it but people still like you know out of the respect and everything they still drink it because it doesn't have like a hangover or whatever because it's pure bio clean product and that's why it's um, yeah but for my dad thinks it's kind of like a lemonade for him it's like a lemonade but it it is not believe me Yeah, the strong wine. Um, what might be playing in the background? Um, hmm. There could be many songs, but uh, there's this one song like um, "Where is Another Georgia? Where is Another Beautiful Georgia?" That's the song that I like, and sometimes I do play it. But like that would be something that I might play. Um, it's Khwasta Kartolosa Dari. Where is another Georgia? Where is like a Georgia like ours? Because it's small, it's beautiful, and uh, it they just describe the nature. It's about the nature, and it's very beautiful because um, the the words and everything. It's just really, really nice.
the opportunities in your hometown, right? You mentioned opportunities like um, the wine region. What about the hardship in in your region or Georgia? Do you want to talk about mm -hmm. that? Sure. Um, of course, every country that has its own challenges and everything. Um, in my region, the challenges are the hard work that goes into to take care of the wine yards. Um, it, it's no joke. Uh, you have to do so many things, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't even know where to start. You, you constantly take care of it whole spring and, you know, like all the way whole summer and then all the way up to, you know, uh, autumn to harvest it. And it goes, it's just a, like a very, very hard work. Um, in our region, not many things are going, especially like recently because of the, you know, before COVID, we have a lot of tourists and obviously that uh, helped to develop the, you know, a lot of, um, and then there has been a lot of uh, buildings and everything. And that's very good because people started having jobs, but in countryside, there are not many opportunities for people. They're not like, they, they don't have really like a job job. They either work in a somewhere in a city they or town. They go there and they work in, I don't know what they do, you know, the shops or kindergartens or whatever. But most of the time, they, there are not many jobs. But business people realize that if they would, uh, you know, because of the, uh, you know, a lot of people come here and they do just take goods from here. Like, for example, our neighboring uh, neighbors in our our village right they have um, blackberries it's, they they have blackberries there's this one woman that has a lot of blackberries she grows them and then they pick them in the morning and at the evening it's in dubai in a shop in the supermarket so they, they they ship it to this dubai or they ship it in mostly in arab countries they take a lot of um walnuts and uh, hazelnuts and um, all that so in also in Western part, uh, it's all about tourism because uh, as you know, Armenia doesn't have a seaside. So a lot of tourists from Armenia can go to Batumi for the seaside and to the, the seaside sea. is to the Black Sea. Yeah. And then there is a lot of opportunities for the locals. They rent their places or they have, uh, you know, cafes, restaurants, at least like seven months, six, seven months, they, they're working on it. But in Kajeti, it's a different story. The challenges are, not having uh, jobs. I'm not talking about Tbilisi. Tbilisi, most of the people have jobs, but like in rural areas, uh, not really. And the salaries are quite low. But whoever is in, whoever is taking care of their fields and their uh, wine or whatever, they, they do make good money. What does the future hold for Georgia? I, mm, hmm. pandemic's been very difficult for our country, obviously for many countries, but uh, especially for us because we are such a, you know, teeny tiny country and we are, a, a lot of things are coming to our country in terms of like food and, you know, that we are depend on other countries in terms of electricity and the gas and all that. So it's been challenging for us. I hope um, I, you know, I see a lot of amazing students 
amazing minds that are living in the country. And I do feel very good that, you know, they are successful and they go, but it, it breaks my heart that they get opportunities in Harvard and, and you know, all this leading universities and they study there. And most of the time they stay there. They don't, you know, not many people come back. I hope um, that there will be no pandemic and I hope that um, um, tourism will pick up again. And that helps our country a lot tremendously. And um, infrastructure will be um, improved, improved, um, especially to Omalo because they don't have the road. And uh, that's going to help people to, you know, not to be dependent on the government, but the work work themselves you know when i know that i can do something i don't need anybody's help so i'm just going to do it and work and i'm not going to say oh you know somebody's not helping me or something that's how people are here they don't really depend on anyone they just work you know and then they know if i'm going to take care of this wine yard i'm going to sell wine and i'm going to sell grapes or i'm going to sell grape juice and i'm going to make money so um that's what I want. Uh, a lot of young people are coming back to the rural areas. They are taking care of the, you know, uh, their fields, which is really good. And that's, uh, I, I'm really happy. Some of my friends started making their, like, uh, they decided to plant their own new wine yards, you know, and then promote their wine and take them outside, take it outside of Georgia. So I know around me, young girls and young boys are just business people now, you know, we used to go to school together and now they're, they're all these people promoting their business and their products, which is amazing. You know, that this new technologies and everything give us so, so much opportunities. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a lot of local, many local business people. That's what I want to see. Now is the time to find out if Ia is really who she says she is. Is she really Georgian? Let's find out. <laughs> How are you going to test that? I have a quiz. Oh no. <laughs> what is the black sand in Ureki famous for? Oh, oh. Uh... Okay, so people take their kids if they have problems with rheumatisms. I don't know in English if it's the correct way to say if they have uh, pain or if they're not strong enough, their bones are not strong enough. So we take kids there just to get healthy. And um, the sand is very, like, there are a lot of cows, to be honest, walking there. And cows also (laughs) like to take, (laughs) sit there and relax. But, um, it's it's good for health and it's good for the bones. That's what I know. Is that on the Black Sea? Of course, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on the Black Sea. Yeah, first it's you know when you when you get to the um, western part of Georgia, you see first Ureki, then Kobuleti, then Batumi, and then you go all the way down to the um, this you know this seaside, all the way to you know border to Turkey, and you can go to Turkey as well. Can you cross to Turkey via the beach? Yeah, it's right on the beach. And uh, you can cross actually with only your ID card. You don't need your passport there. 
on the border, they always ask you to carry something, to take something on the border. And we always say no, but there are people who agree because alcohol is not really permitted because it's a Muslim country or like pork or whatever. They ask you to take something over the border. A lot of the women stand there and they give you money, whatever. But um, you always see these ladies there. Oh, just take two bottles just to take this and that. And I always say no, but they're always hustling there trying to get people to, you know, to take something over the border. The, hus the hustling grannies. Well, some of them are grannies. Yeah, that's right. Um, what are the kharkive used for? Sorry, what? Har the kharkive. Kharkive? What is that? Sorry. Kharvi. Kvervi. 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 <laughs> so the, I don't know the English name for it. That's what I was trying to tell you earlier. We keep the wine in there. Um, you put them in the ground and you cover them, like you put them right inside, like with the sand and dirt. And then we keep the wine there. We have them in our house. My grandpa bought them a long, long time ago. And it's still, we have, I think, 12, no, 12, 10, 10. We have 10 small ones and big ones. Um, and the big ones, we when we first harvest the wine that's where we keep them and then the juice is taken out and moved to a different one and whatever's left we make cha cha out of it i'm i'm looking at a picture it's very big yes it's big big uh, made out of the clay right do you make wine in there it's huge yeah my dad goes inside to clean it like he can stand inside he goes inside and cleans it and there's still some space because it's it's big it's maybe Two, three meters, some, not two, three, but like two meters, maybe mm. two point something. When we were talking before, yeah. I, I had imagined that it was just No, we're talking, was... no, no, we're talking about several tons of wine. Oh my God. <laughs> um, what does the figure of the Tamada represent? Uh, Tamada is the leader of the table and is the leader of this party, whatever it is, if, whether we celebrate uh, the Christian um, you know, holidays or if we are celebrating you know, weddings or birthdays or if it's even um, if it's somebody when somebody dies. Also, we have a supra, which means like we have a we, you know, we gather together to celebrate the you know, important days or say goodbye to the people that have just passed. And Tamada takes care of the, the these people who are on the table. He says toast and um, yeah, and they can drink a lot. Tamada or the Georgians? Well, Tamada especially has to drink a lot. He is usually someone who knows everyone at the table yeah it's supposed to be someone like a relative obviously um in our house my dad is the one always tamada and then there are certain you know like the traditions how to what toast to say he, my dad <laughs> goes uh, through that quite quickly because he's a professor and you know at the university and he he likes to have all the attention but um but yeah tamada needs to say the toast and then give it time to talk and, you know, whatever. Drink. Here it says, 
traditionally a sharp-witted person with a good sense of humor. Oh yeah, yeah, and somebody that's who can sing a little. Yeah, in our house, that's my dad. What is the name of this typical Georgian dish? Hinkali, kapuri, or gozni? Gozinagi. So gozinagi is like um, walnuts and um, honey uh, mixed and kind of like fried. So it's for the only for the winter and for the New Year or for Christmas. For Hinkali, Hinkali is, well, depends on the family. Like, you know, Hinkali is something that usually you do something for during the celebration, but you said Hachapuri is more common. Mm. You can use Hachapuri every day outside. You can go outside and just buy Hachapuri and eat. Like you would buy burger or something, in, I guess, in the Western part of the Western countries. Um, Hachapuri are everywhere. Hinkali, you have to make it. You have to make it and then boil it and then everything. So I'd go with hajapuri is more common. To end every episode, we ask our friends to give us some words of wisdom. Can you give mm -hmm. us some words of wisdom from Georgia? Yes. Well, I like this um, phrase that I usually, I really like it because as a teacher and I've been, you know, I've been a teacher for quite some time. Now I don't work as a teacher, but still, it's been something that um, that I really like. And I always tell to my students or somebody that I care about. Um, so which, which means that uh, in front of me, I have good and bad and because I don't have enough education or I don't have enough I'm not smart enough I cannot make the difference which one is good and which one is bad and I always tell students that um you know they need to study and they have to get their education and they have to um you know they need to study because to make the right choices in life because even now at this age right I'm not very old but still you know sometimes any I have two degrees and I, I think I've been studying all my life still. There are some scenarios in my life and I'm like, is it what choice should I make? Because there are so many choices in life right now that it's hard to make the, you know, good choice, proper choice. So when you know, when you have, like when you have the education, you can at least guess what would be the, you know, better choice. So that's what I always say, like you, you have in front of you good and bad and you have to make the choices. So that's what I like to tell my students. And I often say this, so that's why I think there are many, 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 uh, you know, pro proverbs and everything that, you know, Georgians use daily life. But this this is very important for me, because if you don't have enough education, it's hard to make the right choices sometimes. Matloba. Thank you. See the other fish.